Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You took his heart, you took his lungs, and what happened to the body? I removed these organs, I gave it to the chief surgeon, and the chief surgeon took it away, and then before he left, he said, remember, today nothing happened. Welcome to another episode of On The Edge with Andrew Gold. Today we're going to be talking about organ trafficking. It is an excruciating episode, but a fascinating episode to listen to. It's going to be hard to listen to, but I think it's also going to be hard to turn away. And we really, really mustn't. This is Enver Bugda, a surgeon who was once called out of nowhere in China to get on a bus. He didn't know where he was going. He's going to tell the story himself as well and ended up having to surgically remove organs from a prisoner who had been shot who was at that point still alive he realized as he was uh, cutting into him which was you know he had no choice he had to you know you do otherwise you're next on the list uh, and it's incredibly sad he did eventually move uh, to the UK and has lost his job at Uber uh, because of his past um, he's trying to raise awareness about all of these things and it's not helping him and it's all part of suppressing his experience. That's what I think and suppressing what is really going on in China and how other countries might be um, benefiting from it. We don't go too far into any sort of conspiracy roots. I don't really like that stuff, but this is stuff that Enver saw with his own eyes. Do go check out the link uh, in the description which takes you to his activism and I guess read more about it is all we can do at this point because you can't exactly take down a huge country like China at this moment, but it's really quite extraordinary and scary and we don't know what is going on with the Uyghur Muslims. So very scary, but of interest, I hope. Um, Loads of big episodes coming up, but now you're on the edge of organ trafficking with Enver Bugda. I cannot stress how important this is. This is life and death and it's collusion and it's extreme censorship. And that censorship is happening here in the West. So I do ask people joining now to take a look at Enver's links below and to hit that like button because we have that power on YouTube to spread a message until we don't have that power about important things that are being suppressed. Enver Bugda, tell us a bit about getting onto the organ harvesting. You got a, what you got told by your your bosses at work, like, hey, do you want to do this interesting thing or something? Well, that is in 1995, and it was summer. It's so hot. And I guess it was uh, July or August. Uh, I don't know exactly because all my li- whole my life I tried to forget about it. That must be Wednesday because my uh, scheduled uh, surgery days is Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And on that day... I guess the reason I was picked because I was the only one is free on that day, didn't have um, scheduled surgery. So since our chief surgeon um, managing our schedules, he knows who is free next day. So Tuesday evening, 
before we finish our work, he called me to his office and he said, do you want to do something wild? And I, on the other hand, I was a young surgeon, of course, uh, with full of ambitions. And I said, of course. And he said, okay, now you go to a theater and ask for the surgical kits. And because and the largest one, largest one can cope with any kind of surgery. You have everything you need in it and the sterilized ready for use. And he said, ask for the largest operation kits and ask for two nurses, theater nurses, and uh, also take your own assistant tomorrow morning uh, take our uh, hospital uh, ambulance. He said ambulance, but uh, it is just a van with a bed in it and nothing else. And take that one and meet me at 9.30 at gate, hospital gate. I was really uh, excited. It is not every surgeon and uh, you can get such opportunity to do surgery outside your own hospital. So I get everything prepared, and uh, <clears throat> by the 9.30, my chief surgeon, two of them, they appeared in a car, and they said, you guys follow us. So we jumped into the van, and we started following them. Then from the direction of travel, I can tell that, uh, that is going to Western Mountain District. Our hospital had a branch hospital in that area, and I thought we are going there. Uh, they may have uh, some kind of uh, weird uh, disease or weird surgery uh, they can't cope with. But halfway to the journey, we turned left and, and towards the mountain. And I have never been to that part of the world, but our driver, he knows. He said, this is the road going to the Western Mountain Execution Ground. I said, my God, I was a little scared because I was the only one Uyghur in this unit. And I said, what are we going to do in the execution ground? I was, you know, many kind of thoughts come to my mind. I said, are they going to shoot me or why? Why we are going there? But since we are already halfway, we have to go because the, our system, railway system in China, now they changed it. That then, it is a sub-militarized system. So they don't take order from the local uh, government. They take order directly from the central government in Beijing. So we had a uniform look like, uh, if you look at me with my railway uniform, you will say I'm a soldier. It's exactly like soldier. So I tried to calm myself down and uh, pretend that nothing happened. So by the time we arrived, our two chief surgeons, they were, waiting, uh, they were there and they said, you wait here and come around when you hear the gunshots. And they said, okay. Were you scared? Of course. I am scared. Not only me, the nurses, they're also scared. So why would, what are we doing here? 
the most senior one, it was me and everybody it was look at me and then I said, don't look at me. And I don't know. We just sitting in the shadow of the van because inside one is, is hot. Time passed. I can't really tell how long. We started hearing this noise, noise coming from other side of the hill. You can hear this uh, uh, people shouting and uh, chanting and the uh, truck engine noises. Then we heard gunshots. That gunshot is like, uh, you know, not like machine gun, but like many rifles shoot at the same time. Oh. Then that gunshot actually energized me. We forgot everything. Said, okay, let's go. So we jumped in the van. We drove around and uh, went in on the left side on the slope of the mountain. You can see more than 10, maybe 20, I don't know exactly how many corpses lying down with two or three meters apart. They were wearing prisoner's uniform and the head is like mine, shaved. And the bullet goes through the back of the head and come out from the front of the head. So front part of the head is blown away. Since we are all medically trained, we saw many dead uh, bodies. That's meant nothing for us. There was a police officer shouting, said, go to the far right. The last one is yours. And I said, why is mine? So anyway, so we went to the far right. And our two chief surgeons were waiting there. They told the rest of the guys to pick up the body, put into the one, and they called me and then to the side and then briefed me. Said, now, you do as quick as you can. Remove liver and the two kidneys. Oh. You know, I was relieved at that exact moment because I wasn't... I wasn't going to be shot or I wasn't going to be killed. I was so scared. And uh, they are asking me, the things they are asking me to do, it is uh, I'm doing every day. Not removing organs, but surgical surgery. And I'm almost doing every day. I went back to the uh, van. They have already prepared this body. And they are waiting. So I went into the position and my chief surgeon he stood on my on my left so I started it to my surprise when I tried to cut through the body tried to resist but uh, he is too weak to resist against my insertion so you realized already that he was alive still yes he tried to resist and then my cut my scalp cut his skin, the blood was coming out. That indicates the heart is still pumping the blood. So he's alive. I understood that moment because the gunshot to this man is to the right chest. Right chest to avoid the heart. So you will die, but you will not die immediately. So that is to say to give me time to do, to do the surgery why do you why does the person have to be alive when i never understood this when the organs are removed 
It's not to be alive because there's a time limit. You know, the um, organs, not like meat. You buy uh, some meat from the supermarket and they put in, forgot in your freezer. You can eat 10 days later. But organs, they need is its functions. If the organ function is gone, then it, it becomes meat. It becomes flesh meat. Mm. But they could, they could have, or you could have made sure that he was dead first. Oh, no. Um, at that moment, I am powerless to suggest anything. Sure. Just do what I told to do. And then besides, my brain at that time was, you know, brainwashed uh, things, bone. Anyone born to that society, just like you born into the washing machine, got you brainwashed. Because you truly believe whatever you saw, whatever you hear, whatever you taught, is the best on the on earth. We brought up by such uh, teaching that anyone who is against our great socialist motherland that person must be enemy of the state. An enemy of the state must be eliminated. And any member of this motherland, any citizen, has duty to eliminate enemy of the state. That is our brain. So I didn't feel any guilt, you know, nothing. I Even I felt something, a uh, kind of, you know, excitement at that moment. And relief to not be killed. Yes, I was relieved and, and uh, from uh, a little earlier that uh, panicking. Yeah, we, we, we try. I mean, on this channel, I'm always saying we shouldn't judge people. We should listen and be curious. There are people uh, who have criticized you because they say, oh, this man has done these things. Uh, yeah. But I do a lot of videos about Scientology and different cults and things. And yeah. we know how people can be brainwashed. And it's the, the bana banality of evil, I think. You know, we, it's not done by evil, dark people. It's we all do it because we're told to and we think it's, we have no idea about, we don't understand what, how wrong it is. Yes. I removed these organs and they get, I gave it to a uh, chief surgeon and the chief surgeon and took it away and then before he left he said remember today nothing happened we all knew what that means so since that day on none of us has ever talked about it until in 2009 in UK I was already political refugee here because of that, uh, um, my participant uh, in a documentary film, I was I joined this uh, human rights group straight away for the uh, nuclear victims. You know, then one day in in the parliament building, uh, there was a uh, hearing. Uh, Ethan Gutman was talking a book, and I was happened to be among the audience when he said. It is extremely difficult to find first-hand evidence. Since the book is about uh, organ transplantation, organ harvesting, that reminded me what I have done. At that moment, I realized that the surgery I, I have done in the execution ground 
might be part of it. So I understood how dark, how barbaric that society I come from. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, so you didn't realise when you cut the organs what they were for? No, I didn't know what they're for. No. And and so now you think this was to do with um, the harvesting and transportation of them. What what is then done? I suppose sold on the black market or something. Well, uh, I can't answer that now. Yeah, I couldn't answer that then because after that, and um, well, uh, let me continue like this. When he when Ethan Gutman made and uh, that conclusion, my hand was raised without me knowing. I said, yeah. Just raised the hand, and they, they picked him up, and they, I, I confessed this story. That was the first time I was telling this story in my life. And from that day on, I became friend with uh, Ethan Gutman. Then we became the leading campaigner on the organ harvesting. I started looking back for all those signs and evidence of this kind of thing, and we found terrible, terrible, terrible things. 
it is so many things we can't uh, just present in a very short time. Let me give you a few clue or few evidence. In 2008, in the province of Yunnan, in the, the south of China, there was a medical magazine published an article. This article is about uh, organ transplantation. And in this article, it says there were six surgeons have done this. In the, uh, it says donor brought into the room and the general anesthesia applied. For the non-medically trained personnel, they can't pick up what's wrong here. But for the medically trained personnel, they can. Because donor brought into the theater and the general anesthesia applied. Oh. That indicates mm. this donor is alive. If this surgery, it was kidney transplantation, I wouldn't mention it. This article is about two cases of combined heart and lung transplantation. <gasps> oh. Two cases. And they, they told you general anesthesia applied that is alive. And they said transplantation was successful. And they didn't tell you where this, this body. You took his heart, you took his lungs, and what happened to the body? And that is published in a journal, state journal, state-level journal, and everybody can read it. Only you need is a conscious mind to pick up, say, hey, hang on, this is something wrong here. Because you, Chinese surgeon, you turn the theater where people's lives should be saved. You turn the theater into the execution ground. Awful. I can't believe that. I, I, I guess I thought that this stuff was all just... I don't know. It's hard because there's, there's so many things you hear about different parts of the world that are very far away and you just assume like, but does it really happen? And, you know, so for, to, to hear that kind of evidence, you see it in, in the records. So where are they getting, for example, that man? Like, what is going on here? Who, who is, is it like a mafia thing? I don't know what's going on. Well, we may never find out the truth if the Chinese communist regime don't collapse. Yeah. And I, I have big hope and one day we will be able to do thorough investigation mm. freely and find out the scale of the shortest time for a organ in an emergency situation is four hours. Can you believe that? Four hours. Let us do a little comparison study. UK, they have 24 million registered people willing to donate their organs. In UK, you had to wait for two years for a pair of liver or any organ. You need to wait for two years. Wow. But in China, they can get you in two weeks. And even they can tell you, in two weeks later, there is a heart going to be ready for you. How do they know two weeks later there's a man going to have going to die or how is this man going to die? Accident? Or killed by car? How? How do you know that? This is something impossible. Are they prisoners? You see, Chinese government, they published that um, executed prisoners, prisoners number is around 10,000. But we calculated 
How many hospitals doing organ transplantation? Is 194 or 74. And every single hospital claim they have done 2,000 to 5,000 a year. That will, that will make how many? More than 100 hospitals. One hospital just make 1,000, that is 100,000. And you published this uh, executed prisoner only 10,000. So where are they getting these people from? Yes. That is exactly, yes, why we are uh, doing this. There's another thing. As since this, uh, many people will watch this, let me give you something you can look at yourself. In China, there are two uh, websites. It's a, a state-run website. It's about uh, voluntarily organ donation regis- registry. So you can register yourself. In case you're gone, your organ will be taken. That is legal. I am totally, I am welcome that. But the problem is, uh, this website they established in 2000, 2019 or something. For the first three years, registry, the number was zero. And even now, it's been six years already. The registered volunteer number is, is uh, under six million. Based on the six million number, how can you get two pair of lungs in fifteen days? How how can you do that? Because at the very beginning of this uh, pandemic, in Beijing, there was a newspaper reported one uh, case. Said we have found a new way of treating this uh, COVID nineteen. What they do? Because this patient's lungs is collapsed by this virus. So they changed it. They gave him a new pair of lungs. And this new pair of lungs didn't survive. So they managed another pair of lungs within two weeks. And that was treated as the uh, scientific breakthrough and reported in, in the newspaper in Beijing. How and where can you find the lungs, uh, organs in that quick this isn't it looks like uh, you go to a fish, fresh fish restaurant. You go in and you show which fish you want and the chef will cook that for you. Only in such a stock, then you can achieve organs and lungs in two weeks' time. That is to say Chinese government have this uh, stock of organs plenty, unlimited. Wow. And since organ cannot be stored in the freezer, it has to be stored in the human body. So what they do, they actually store human beings. But if they can capture human beings somewhere, it costs money. So what they do, that is where you you heard Chinese big data coming from. They collect every single Chinese citizen's DNA. Data. So when you come to China and ask for organs and you will submit your blood, they will find a match in a few hours' time because all is stored in this data. Then what will happen? The potential of this match, he will be labeled as terrorist and he will disappear. 
and you will get to your organ. Why are they prefer preferring the person who wants the organ over the the person whose organ they're going to take? Is it because it costs a lot of money that the the, the, the person's going to pay to get a new organ? First of all, organ harvesting brings tremendous wealth for the Chinese high-ranking officials. Huh. They got super rich. And they, have, they need to keep this business going. And they have large uh, number of unwanted people, like minorities, like Falun Gong practitioners. Anyone who doesn't believe that communism as ideology will be treated as enemy of the state. As I mentioned earlier, if you have been labeled as enemy of the state, and then you will know, you can imagine where your organ will end up. Because since you are being labeled as enemy of the state, you not, not belongs to you. You are belong to the state and you are asset of the state. And that brings us to another phenomenon that happened in 2016. In Xinjiang, Chinese government, they conducted this uh, checkup for the, the population, but Uyghur population. That time, I immediately said they are building organ data. Checkup is quite expensive. Since when Chinese government cared their own citizen to do checkup for free for them, go and then check. You can't find this. Is this a, is that a fact then that they are doing like a check on the details and the DNA and everything like that of the? Uh, I'll pronounce it wrong, but is it Uyghur Muslims? Yes, they take your blood, and since your blood being taken, they can check whatever. They want. I even have a very short video shot by someone in the hospital in a small town. Everyone told next day don't go to work, but go to the hospital to have your blood taken. Then next day you can see the queue in lined up inside the hospital. And nobody knows. Said, I'm healthy. Why do they need to check uh, take my blood? And that is it. Uh, life under the communist regime because life doesn't belong to you yourself no it's so scary it's a really really scary thing and of course that is the uh philosophy of individualism versus collectivism there are problems of both of those things sometimes but at the extremes but this collectivism thing it does seem like the individual is not really valued as you say you belong to the state and people yeah. can do what they want with their organs although it still has to be hidden doesn't it they said to you nothing happened here it's still being hidden i suppose uh they would be in trouble with nato or something if this yeah, were to get yeah, out yeah. yes <laughs> our campaigning was uh, really really hard really really difficult and only now i realize that uh, this campaign against organ harvesting may have upset so many superpower, super powerful men, women, or countries, even apart from China, because they are beneficiaries or they are recipients. They need organs. Uh, in the field of espionage, there's two ways to get the opposite spy to work for you in the West. One is money, another one is honey. What happens if this spy has more money than you and he, his girlfriend and his woman is prettier than 
you oh honey as in women <laughs> yeah honey in, right. in, in, in women okay. yeah so okay. what will happen so you run out of the idea but not the ccp chinese they will offer you an organ and organ it's something you can't deny if you happen to need it they have eyes ears in every single part of every corner of the western countries will they be watching us now they are watching you and it's even they probably know when you may need an organ probably they, they knew better than yourself <laughs> how can they know that there is an article just a few days ago published in the Washington Post. Um, I didn't read it fully, but I understand what's that meaning. You know, the Chinese big data has helped, is helping Chinese to take control over the world population. Well, it's pretty scary. And But you know what's not helping, or maybe it's part of the, the whole big collusion together, uh, since you work here, I understand you weren't able to get a job as a surgeon here, which obviously is very difficult to do when you're moving from China to the UK. It's just ridiculously, yeah. So you were working as an Uber driver, and my understanding is you've lost your your employment. Uh, uh, yes, I was uh, Uber driver, and uh, just like you said, somebody made a complaint. Somebody read. Uh, <sighs> an article on the newspaper about me in January, and he decided he is offended in December. So he made a complaint. Then TFL decided not to renew my uh, license. Of course, they have overturned this decision at themselves. Recently, they sent me a letter that now you can renew it. Is it that they wanted to you to no longer work there because you had participated in in what had gone on or because they wanted to protect china from your accusations i think what it says is that since i have done something to an a prisoner removed his organ and i am mm. posing risk to the public oh but that's a complete failure to understand the geopolitical situation. Exactly. But what I believe is that this might be the work by the Chinese long mm. arm. Chinese mm. long arm is very, very effective. You don't know how effective that is. I started following Jesus Christ in 1994 and I was baptized in 2017 and I established an a society called Uyghur Christian Society in the UK. And after four years running, they closed my bank account. Wow. Yes. What the UK government did? I, I don't know. Uh, well, I had two organizations. They closed both bank accounts at the same day. So this is, this is then because you're a Christian or because you're accusing China or because you participated in, in the, the removal of organs? I don't know. I think Chinese government, one of their tasks is to keep me not having a nice job, but working in the low-paid job to struggle in my life so that I will not have time to talk to you like this. And here you are. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I lost many opportunities because now I'm driving lorry. I can't many uh, interviews. I have to turn it down. 
say, I'm sorry, meetings or hearings, I can't go. And that is, and there's a work of Chinese long arm control. And you don't mm. even know, you don't even realize it was you or it was this um, people in the UK actually doing things to prevent me. And it, they are doing this without knowing it, just like my license. Chair files suspended it. Probably they were innocent since there's somebody made complaint, but the result is the same. The Chinese government is so happy. Do you ever fear for your life that they would ever, would they ever do something like that? I know that Russia has, has allegedly done that, uh, come over to England and done that kind of thing. Could that happen with the Chinese government? They did. They tried. I had one very suspicious car accident. I lost uh, control in in the road. There's no traffic, no anybody, only me in one car. And that was a Christmas day. I took my kids, went to Austria for Christmas. Then I lost control. My car just went down to the river. Well, you think they did something to your car to make it lose control at a certain yeah. moment? This unexplained the accident, I l suddenly lost control of the car. Direction stopped working, acceleration works itself, and the brake stopped working. What else that can we blame? Are there other countries apart from China that are known to be involved in this, this kind of transportation of, of body parts? This kind of says it was originated in the Second World War uh, when Japanese uh, uh, took over Manchuria. They had one unit called the 731 unit. And in this unit, they use uh, POWs for any old kind of medical experiment. After war, Chinese took those doctors or just engineers from this unit. And then they become Chinese officials. And that's why Chinese organ transplantation started in Manchuria. Okay, so it started through Japan. It's just, it's, it's a fascinating and, and gory and horrible history. It is horrible history. I, I don't have a direct evidence to, to say this is started from Japan. But that was in, in a way linked because those uh, doctors and nurses from this experimental union and taken by the Chinese. So just like that um, Second World War, what is that project called? Paperclip? That yeah, Operation took, Paperclip. Operation Paperclip, yeah. They took uh, Nazis uh, engineers back to the United States. It's the same thing. I see from the Chinese uh, social media, many transplantation surgeons, they have overseas trip. They go to Kazakhstan, they go to Belarus, they even go to um, Ukraine. Not now, before the war. They even go to Turkey. This is scary. There's nothing we can do to stop it. I think we need urgent um, regulation about this uh, organ transplantation, organ donation system. And to raise an awareness, I suppose. Every single person, they have their own right to do whatever possible to extend his life. I can't stop that. And I actually afford that. Uh, if you can, of course, live longer because you only come to this hell only once. Just make people 
willing to donate. Don't make them willing to, but give them full choice. And don't force them. You think that might make it less necessary for there to be this kind of black market if if more people were willing to become donors? I don't think this is something black market. Yes, there are uh, black market they are doing, but in China, this, this is open market. Yeah, that's true. But it would be less necessary if people donated more. It is one is uh, people donated more, and uh, if recipients know that someone else may have died for your organ, the organ you are getting, that you may think again. I think yeah. so. I think so as well. Well, yeah. uh, do you want us to put a, a link link below to anywhere to like a website or something? Etoc website. Mm-hmm. Like uh, end the transplantation abuse in China. Thank you, Enver Bugda, for coming on the show. It takes a lot of courage to speak out like that, especially when you feel you are being taken down by a huge surveillance state. So good on him for coming out, uh, coming on the show. And do go check out his link to learn more about this and to help support his activism. Thank you guys for listening. I'll be back very soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.